DMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Werebears, tired of cleaning up all the giant poops your bear form leaves behind? Then this is the podcast for you where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun-dun-dun! Oh my god, Anna. Joe. We totally... Okay, we... Everyone, <laughs> we... This is the second episode we're recording this weekend... I had a, quite the day yesterday. We mm-hmm. played D&D, then we recorded mm-hmm. Ron Order, and then I played more D&D. Mm-hmm. Exhausted. We had three Black Halflings on two episodes <laughs> ago, Jasper and Jeremy. <laughs> and we just forgot to talk about that yesterday. We forgot to like squee and obsess last, about it. Yeah, last week. Yeah. Um, oh my God. They are so sweet and so much fun. They were amazing. I still can't believe that they took the time to be on our show. <laughs> I know. And it was honestly, it was just so fun. Like, I think one of our best, if not our best yeah. episode. I It was um, a fantastic episode. It really yeah. was. Now we got to get Unani to come on because I, know. I just want to chat about Drag Race with her because she's a big RuPaul's Drag Race fan. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I and mean, we've just had such amazing guests. We have amazing guests today. We yes. have amazing people coming on. <gasps> I'm having so much fun. We're... we're- I mean, last season, whenever we had a Twitter person on, mm-hmm. I was always like 50% really excited to meet somebody new in this universe and in the mm-hmm. TTRPG family. And then 50% like, <gasps> what, what's happening? Like, what is yeah, going to happen? You know? Yeah. And I have so far <laughs> not been disappointed with a single one of our guests. They have well, all just been wonderful people that... Uh, Hunter... You know, yeah, oh god. <laughs> we don't talk about him. Oh boy. <laughs> Just kidding, we love you, Hunter. Um you know, we gotta have Hunter back on. I yeah, I well, had told him he was coming on and then I dropped the ball. Sorry, Hunter. We're getting you back on here. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, Anna is the official booking agent for yeah. Ron Order. So if you're interested in being on the pod, um uh uh you know, just uh message our Twitter and she will respond. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I miss Hunter. We haven't talked to him in a while. All right, well, let's have mine. Let's do it. Okay. So, speaking of Twitterverse. Uh-oh. You know we're up to, like, 620 (gasps) followers now? And you know what that means? Oh, my God! (laughs) (laughs) Drumspringer! I've gotten to the point in Chapter 2 where I'm describing the altar room, as in, like... Oh, the the witch altar. Yes, the witch's, like altars like oh wow because the mom so anastasia's mom i don't want to spoiler alert gang for this is her, story is her I name written. anastasia yes yes it is of course it is <laughs> no it's not is it really <laughs> it is, it is that's hilarious <laughs> i googled <laughs> russian so names and actually came back with yeah. anastasia so why not <laughs> yeah why not yeah her mom is like the leader of the coven so Okay, I'm so what kind of witches are we talking? It. Are these like Baba Yaga witches? Like, like they put ki- they 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 boil kids in cauldrons and eat their bones, or is like are these like charmed like Prue Piper Phoebe witches? Oh yeah, yeah, or- yeah, charmed witches okay. for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, love it. Yeah. So I'm just picturing all of them. Um, Alyssa Milano, uh, Shannon Jordy. Yeah, I'm picturing the them other in my head. lady. The- <laughs> I don't know what her name is. <laughs> I, I forget her name now, but she's the least famous of them, let's yeah. be honest. Okay. Um, I okay, miss so Milano. What's she up to? You know they remade she's Charmed? She's a badass. And they did. I know. I, I, I haven't watched it. I I think I watched one episode. It's just, it's just very different. And I love that it's like a... I don't know. I just wish they would make new things and not keep making remakes of old yeah. things. Yeah. Is it... So, I mean, is it a remake or is it like a... Here's what's happening now with like their no, daughters or something. Oh, they it's are. A, it's okay. a. It's a total. It's a. It's like a re. It's like a reimagining. So like, although the cast is like all women of color, which is awesome. Yeah. But like, why not just make a 
like a new and better show yeah with an about, all like witches cast of yeah. color. like i just i don't know you don't have to remake charm just make something cooler right um uh-huh. I mean, I prefer I prefer it when they're like, where are they now type of things. Like when Boy Meets Girl was like, yes. now we're all grown up and our kids are the stars or like Fuller House. Wait, you mean Boy Meets World? Did you say Boy Meets Girl? Oh, I meant Girl Meets World. Isn't that what they named the second <laughs> I think we should. Like, no, what? I think we should. It is. But I think we should call it Boy Meets Boy Girl. Boy Meets Girl. Strictly, it's strictly for straight people. <laughs> so gay is not for you. Sorry about it. And as a homophobe. Yeah. <laughs> if this podcast has proven anything, mm-hmm. I guess it's yep. proven that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what were you going to say? Oh, well, I I have discovered a new show that I fucking adore. And it's funny that I say that because the lead character's name is Adora. Now, <laughs> so it is it is the Netflix She-Ra cartoon. It sounds... Dumb. It is fucking phenomenal. Seth uh, Dodge, who mm-hmm. played in our Harry Potter game, um, he he was like raving about it. He's like, he watches it with his daughters. He's like, you got to watch this show. It's so good. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. It is like so fucking good. It is the gayest fucking show <laughs> I have ever seen. I'm not even joking. It gets gayer by the minute. I have seen gay orgies less gay than this show. Okay. This show is... Sorry, this is supposed to be a clean episode. Yeah. <laughs> this sh- I have been it no. Um I, this show is like like it's about princesses and like all the characters are kind of like like uh, like there there's like a million women in charge of everything and it's great and there's like and there's lesbians and gay men and and just like it's just the most fabulous show in the world, but it's also like brilliantly written and the animation is wonderful. So I highly recommend if you're just looking for like a fun show, I highly recommend it. It also has a really interesting um, like main protagonist and main antagonist relationship. They're like best friends who who end up like on opposite sides of a war. And it's really, really interesting. What is it called? She-Ra. So like She-Ra was this old cartoon. It was like She-Ra and He-Man because she and he. Oh. Oh, gotcha. Gender. Okay. And uh, yeah, but then they now they remade it and it's like totally queer, totally like, like, it's like, it's like a Republican's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so watch it. It's so good. That sounds awesome. Okay. High, highly recommend it. Gonna um, do it. <laughs> well, what, what else? What else is happening in your world? And what's, what's I mean, the audience is listening to this like a week apart from our last episode, but we're recording it in the same weekend that we recorded our last week's episode. So it's been maybe 24 hours since I last <laughs> saw you and not not a ton has happened. So okay. I had well, I cooked I cooked 80 bratwurst today. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Why? So I do this thing with my friend where once a month <gasps> oh, I feed the local like me you feed me (laughs) those are all for me thank you (laughs) i work through this organ with this organization to feed like local uh displaced and homeless individuals and uh i decided that i was going to make i had to make 40 meals today and i decided i was going to give them each two bratwurst and so i woke up at like 7 a.m today and made 80 bratwurst (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I always like underestimate how long things are going to take me. And I'm glad I did not do that today because I was uh, running up against that clock, but I managed to get it done. So (laughs) I'm that's so amazing. See, you're using your time for something productive. I'm not. Did Um, you play some D&D this morning? No, I'm playing this at this evening. Oh, Tyler's game. Is oh, this yeah. that uh, is using your time productively. So I know. But <laughs> talking about you cooking, um, I came over to your house last you weekend. And you made curry. Yeah. And it was so fucking good. And then you <laughs> gave me the leftovers and mm-hmm. I had so much curry. And I forgot how much rice a cup of rice is when you <laughs> cook it. <laughs> it's like oh, this is a cup of rice. And it turns out to be like three cups of cooked <laughs> rice. And you're like, what the fuck? So I had these massive plates of rice. And just like, just, I was like, well, I should, should eat that much curry too. So then I took like half of the thing of curry you made me with like three pieces of chicken all on one plate. And I was like, 
we should make some naan. <laughs> and so I made naan and then I burnt the side of the naan because I don't really cook often. You did it, it just wonderful. like I do, where I forget yeah. about, about the naan and then I'm do like, you broil oh, no. it? I do. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was so freaking good. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you liked it. It was delicious. Yay. Delicious. Oh, well, should we get to our... We should. Yes. We are going to talk with the stars of the Three Pillars of D&D oh. podcast, oh which my. is a father, son, and daughter team who talk about um, like combat and engagement and role play in D&D. And they have a very adorable little podcast. And I am so excited to be talking to them. So let's get going. Okay, let's go. All right. Oye, oye, the Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justices Jesse, Tyler, and Emma of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and congratulate Tony Bennett for being the oldest musician to release a new album, for the court is now sitting. Guys, Tony Bennett won a Guinness Book of World Records record for being the oldest musician to release new music, so I felt that had to be celebrated. (laughs) Right. How old was he? I don't know, but he's I mean he's, he's up old. there. He's yeah. up there. He's up there. Yes, exactly. And having listened to a couple of episodes of your podcast, I happen to know that you have great appreciation for for old people because Emma and Tyler are always yelling, old Oh, it's the best. Well, welcome. Um, so we have Jesse and then Emma and Tyler. Um, uh, and you three are uh, uh, part of a family that plays D&D together and you have your own podcast. Um, could you just give us the story about how this all happened, how it all came together? I assume, Jesse, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I assume you probably were the instigator of the D&D playing in the house. Actually, you're wrong on that. <laughs> I'm so happy to be wrong on that. This is my favorite story. <laughs> Let's hear it. It was part me and part Tyler. We had both was seen it. it. We had both seen it on YouTube. Uh, Tyler brought me into it, and then I was like, I found this thing at a bookstore, and we bought it. And then Dad was like, oh, hey, I know D&D. <laughs> yeah, see, because I had played D&D when I was in high school, uh, like with my brother and our friends, but in like probably 2005 or something like that, or it was sometime after 3.5 came out, um, we played that for a year or two, and because we played second edition, we played third, we played third, 3.5, and then I we quit, because, you know, you, you, right. you get, you know, you get busy with life, and, you know, Let's be fair, back in those days, playing Dungeons and Dragons is not conducive <laughs> with getting a wife. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, I, I took my break and yeah, they, they got me that gift set for uh, the the one that has Lost Minds of Vandelver in it and stuff mm-hmm. like that for Christmas as a Christmas present for me. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, they're scheming. They're like, yes, yeah. and dad will run this for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I did, and it was terrible. Um, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I, I, because I, I had never DM'd. My my brother was my DM, and oh. so you know, like he was the one who did all. He he was the creative, you know, short story writer, and he he could do all that stuff really well. And I tried, but it just didn't turn out as well as it should have. <laughs> but. Um, oh. When Lou took over and started DMing, that's when it really worked out well. Um, yeah, you know, they did they did such a good job. So yeah, so it was it was it was good. <laughs> uh yeah, you want to talk about that campaign a little bit there, Lou? I hate that campaign. <laughs> oh <laughs> it's it's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I love the idea, I hate the execution. It was modern, first time ever DMing, modern. It, I should have done something simpler. Mm-hmm. And it was two, with two people. So, I mean, it was fun. I hated it, but it was fun. <laughs> I hated Lots it. It was jokes. fun. 
<laughs> Lots of good jokes, but I hated it. I wanted to die. I want that memory just disappear out of the world. So then you moved on to something else. Yeah, I assume. Okay. I moved on to a new group. I have. I had two new groups. That I moved on to right after I finished that campaign, and I still DM for them occasionally. I DM for solidly now three groups. Holy crap. wow! <laughs> so wow. wait, so are you also DMing then for your family still, or are you guys all playing together still? And we all play together. I on and off DM. Um, recently, Tyler has been DMing, which is nice. I get to play be a player again after yes. about a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very nice. <laughs> are you guys yeah. playing uh, a like a set game, or are you doing homebrew, or what's the game now? Well, Tyler, you're running what Icewind Dale's, right? Mm. Yes. Very nice. Yeah, Anna and I are playing. playing. <laughs> yeah, we're playing. We're both players in an Icewind Dale. Although it's our DM is like it's Icewind Dale plus a bunch of other stuff that he puts in. So we never know what is the module yes. and what isn't, which makes it fun, but also a bit chaotic. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, well, that's amazing. Um, Lou, I think you're setting yourself up to become like, I mean, the next Matt Mercer, the next Sabria Iyengar, the next Brennan Lee Mulligan. That's, I mean, so you're on that path. So good for you because mm-hmm. you're DMing at a very young age, like 17 games, which is awesome um uh and and but you and tyler that's so cool i love it i wish i got into D when i was younger <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's kind of my question for both of you for for tyler and you like what about it appealed to you as youths <laughs> Tyler should definitely go first. Anna couldn't have sounded older (laughs) in answering (laughs) asking that question, and I love it. Sorry. It's so good. Tyler, that's your cue. Um, well, I've always been, you know, very nerdy, very into, like, numbers and, like, video games, that kind of things, and, um, you know, I just really was interested in the combat aspect and the character customization of the game. Awesome. Lou? I love the short storytelling i always knew if i got into this i would be the dice goblin and the always forever dm (laughs) knew it straight off the top love it there was no stop i just knew i love the short storytelling i like making characters but i don't really play them well because i usually stick to a stereotype it's bad but i love i just storytelling is my thing i'm a writer and i write a lot and i i'm always like teaching and doing stuff and i like doing things it's the ideas it's the imagination of it all a born dm okay yeah cool cool, seriously (laughs) um i mean all all three of you just blowing me away here um so how did the podcast come about separate from like the getting into D &D? Mm -hmm. well we uh We'd always kind of wanted to do a, a YouTube channel of some sort. We we did some unboxing stuff, and as a family, my, my wife actually joins in on those. And um, we, we were trying to do an actual play, um, and unfortunately, like half our files got corrupted So that we had for that campaign, so that fell apart. Um, and then I really liked you know a bunch of the podcasts I was listening to, so I... I, I was trying to come up with an idea and it was kind of loosely coming together. And then Tyler actually suggested we do an episode on, you know, the three pillars. And like, I said that right there, that's it. You know, like that's better than my stupid idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and cause there's, you know, three of us, three pillars. We actually fall pretty good on each of us liking each of the individual pillars you know, ourselves, like Tyler really likes the combat. Uh, Lou really likes the, the storytelling, social interaction aspects. And I, I like the exploration. I, you know, I, I think that that stuff's pretty fun. I mean, I like all of them, of course. We all like all of them. That's why we mm-hmm. like the game. But like, <laughs> like I, 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 I could easily fell into that spot. And it was like, yep, yep, there we go. That That's what we're doing. <laughs> That's awesome. That is I, awesome. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, it's obvious 
um, Jesse, you're quite lucky to have two phenomenal kids. And Lou and Tyler, you two are so lucky to have such a cool dad. Um, because my parents are like, I mean, you know, within reason, right? right? Um, my parents are like, did you win? Did you win your dungeon game? And I'm just like, oh, God, it's not yeah. that kind of game. Yeah. We actually had some really heartfelt moments and someone got married and then my player cried and it was like, oh. But, uh, yeah. Um, but just in case you're curious, I won the D and D. Um, right. Can I just say, yeah, I won. I won. I won. Right. I I won. won. <laughs> I'm the DM. I always win. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love how much the game has changed. Um, mm. Because when it was my 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 brother was a great DM, of course, great storyteller. But at the same time, it really was more of a players versus a DM kind of um, atmosphere back right. then. And now it's more of that cooperative storytelling, which now that I'm older, I really enjoy a lot more. Back then, it was like a fancy video game that you could do anything you wanted to do, which was fine. We had we played, you know, 12 hours a day every day of the summer when, <laughs> you know, we could. I mean, that's just how our group was. It was fun. But, yeah, it's not like it is today. And I, I like it better now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it just like amazing and kind of surprising to you that you got to not only go back to the game but you got to go back to it with with your kids? Oh yeah, yeah. It I don't have time for anybody else these days, so I'm really <laughs> glad my kids wanted to because yeah, it wasn't going to happen until you know they grew up and moved out of the house. So yeah, <laughs> now I get to have fun. Um. <laughs> Thanks. Really appreciate that. <laughs> okay, of the few episodes I have listened, this this interaction is like so perfect based on that podcast. <laughs> I love it. Wow, should we get into our Anna? Do you want to? Let's do it. Yes, yeah. let's get into our cases. So both the discussion topics and the case today have been brought to us by you guys, um, and our uh, the court will hear one case today. In re, I'm going to mispronounce this three. Three Kreen? I think I, so. I, yeah, Three Kreen. Uh, can a multi-armed Three Kreen have items in two of its arms but still accomplish somatic components of a spell if the other two arms are free? Uh, and kind of an expansion of that is, can two of its arms be doing an activity while the other two are doing a different activity or action, such as picking a lock while the other arms complete an action in like combat or something. So I got to ask, where did this question come from? Um, well, mostly we were just looking at it. We're always usually trying to, me and Tyler especially, are always trying to min-max characters to the extreme. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, why not? Um and it, I, I looked at that and it, it occurred, occurred to me that, you know, I could make a character who could wield a two-handed weapon in their main hands and then have a weapon in the offhand. And it would technically work. So you could have like a great sword and a short sword and get that extra attack every round in, do all that extra damage and be a really killer fighter. And then it, then it hit me about, well, what if you were a wizard? You know, what could you do then? Or an Eldritch Knight or something like that. And then would that still work? You know, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. It seems like it could, but I, I really know. Uh, since it's brand new, no one's really play tested it. How would what, you know? What is the, so where is the source? So is this one of the new races they just added? Like yeah. officially? Yeah, the, the, it's one of the, it's one of the, it's the new UA that just came out. Um, it came out like a week ago, I think it was, or a week oh. or so ago. Oh my god! Yeah, I it, see. If you put "Travelers of the Multiverse UA" into a Google search, it'll pop right up. Um, yeah, it says I secondary see. arms. You have two slightly smaller secondary arms below your primary pair of arms, and the secondary arms function like your primary arms, with the following exceptions. You can use a secondary arm to wield a weapon that has the light property, but you can't use a secondary arm to wield other kinds of weapons. And you can't wield a shield with a secondary arm. So that's where that is coming from. Joe, what were your thoughts? 
Wow. Well, so this is interesting. So initially I was looking, I didn't realize this was from the, a UA that they just released. I was, I was looking at some, some older version of it where it specifically said that they couldn't be used to do the somatic components. But now I'm looking at this version and I'm like, wait a minute, this changes everything. <laughs> so this has so many implications. So first of all, you can use a secondary arm to wield a weapon that has the light property a secondary arm that means each secondary arm could each wield a light weapon so you could theoretically hold a shield in one hand your somatic uh component in another hand if you were like a spellcaster let's assume you can also wield a shield for some reason um let's you're a hex blade or something i don't know um you then you have two light weapons that you're also dual wielding that you can do just any character can do that you don't need a feat to dual wield light light weapons mm -hmm. that is so powerful that's a lot that's a lot <laughs> god um yeah i mean like according from what to, to what i'm reading it, it specifically says um your arms uh uh the secondary arms function like your primary arms so yeah why wouldn't you be able to wield like material components of a spell and like, cause you only need one hand to like hold a focus or to mm -hmm. hold a component pouch. And then, and then um, you can use that same hand per the rules to, to do the somatic components, or you could, you could do the somatic components with your free hand. So yeah. Why couldn't you just with your regular set of arms, hold a shield and a weapon or two weapons. Um, and I think effectively this basically gives you a portion of the Warcaster feat because the Warcaster feat allows you to hold, um, it allows you to perform the somatic um, and material components of a spell uh, well, maybe it's just somatic components of a spell, even if you're holding a weapon or a shield in one or both hands. Um, so it's basically like sort of giving you that little buff. But yeah, I don't see why you couldn't do that. And yeah. what about, yeah, or, or yeah, Jesse, what, do yeah, you have any I, other thoughts? I, yeah, I, I, I didn't see any conflict with the way it's written. I mean, they usually expand on UAs later, especially when, people get on podcasts and talk about how you can totally abuse it. So. <laughs> right. Um, what about yeah, so, Lou, and, Lou or Tyler? What yeah. were your thoughts? I'm blinking. You go. <laughs> Here, I want to hear this min-maxed three cream, Tyler, yeah. that you're going to create that's going to gonna, gonna quad wield four swords. <laughs> I want to see that. That wouldn't be really efficient because you start slowly oh, by action on this action. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Action economy will still slow you down 100%. Yeah, but it would look cool. <laughs> yeah, that's why four weapons, yeah, it looks cool, but it's only intimidating, not actually useful. Um, I mean, if you have an elemental weapon in each hand, you can switch off which one you're using. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if you... but. If you have that many magic weapons, you've already won D and D. Come on, um, <laughs> Lou. What about you? What What are your thoughts? Well, I think it would be interesting, but they're definitely going to change it, uh, especially with how D and D is. It's much more structured, mm -hmm. especially to um, oh, they want to keep it structured. I see that a lot with the changes they do. They don't want to give a lot of creativity with the new stuff they add. They want to just leave that for later. So they're going to change it to make it so you can only have like probably two handed weapons or just like two hands, two weapons. They're not going to do like a weapon and a shield and a big weapon or another big weapon. It's not going to be something they're going to want to do because you can break the game really easily with any magical weapons. I mean, I, I wonder, though, um, about the uh, about the second half of, of the question that was presented, which is the like. It doesn't it doesn't talk about the arms like working independent of the brain all that much you know what i mean so when we're thinking about like taking an action with two and then the other two arms like doing something to me is that substantially different than like one hand trying to unlock a door while the other one is wielding a, a sword Do, what were your, what were your thoughts on that like why was that something that you were considering I mean, it, it thought had just occurred to me that it was a possibility. Um, 
basically, you know how it is. You always want to try to see what you can get away with with your DM. Um, (laughs) But like, I mean, if I, if I was like, say an artificer and I had, I was doing some tinkering with the other hands, could I still do my combat and still tinker while I was at it? Or, you know, like picking a lock as a, as a rogue, could I still use a two-handed weapon in the other hand to defend myself or, 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 or whatever, like something that wouldn't obviously need your full attention, you know, uh, you know, yeah. something that's like a continuing action. Cause it's not very often that you're picking a lock and it takes more than a few rounds or whatever. Right. It depends on what's going on, but I don't know. It could happen. It depends on how each person kind of runs their game, you know, I, yeah, possibilities. <laughs> well, I mean, here's what I imagine. So I, we talked about how we play Icewind Dale and we're players in it. And I play a soul knife rogue, which we're, we might touch on a little bit when we talk about rogues uh, for raw school there. But um, I, I, because I play a soul knife rogue, I have the ability to come up with these like psychic blades, you know, they're just blades that I can create in my hand to throw as a ranged weapon. But I also obviously wield a longbow. Um, and you know, our DM has taken the very reasonable ruling that if I, as a bonus action, after I shoot an arrow, want to wield my soul knife, that I got to drop the bow. And so now I'm imagining if this, (laughs) this creature then plays that I don't need to drop anything and I can maintain my bow in two hands and then bonus action wield my my soul knife blades, my psychic psionic blades. Yeah. Cause they're using light. the other arms. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're light. Aren't they? They're, they have the light yeah. property. Yeah. You can make them in your secondary hands and still yeah. wield your long. Oh, that's a good use. Or what um, about a, be good. Yeah. Or what about a monk? Imagine a monk who has the, uh, so at fourth level or a variant human takes the dual wielder feet they can dual wield non-light weapons in their main hands and still do unarmed strikes with their little Ooh. little alien hands or whatever this creature <laughs> is, um, their, their bug hands. So, I, yeah, like, that would be fascinating. Because, um, you know, uh, uh, well, I guess you wouldn't need to, though, because you'd still have that would you still take a bonus action to attack yeah but but you could do you could um wield a two-handed weapon i think monks can wield two-handed weapons like a staff with two hands yeah i think they can yeah that's so true. like so like you yeah, could totally you like yeah versatile weapons would be a real good way to go with these with i see place. i can yeah. see that definitely i can yeah. see that more oh wow yeah. that leaves so many so many possibilities do you but think I, I mean, I almost wonder then if um, if I were doing this, I would request that my DM give me some sort of advantage because would it be distracting to an enemy to kind of like track what all of those arms are doing? So like going back to that soul knife example, like you're paying attention to my two arms and then this like little arm out of nowhere creates <laughs> a soul knife and throws it at you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to push the limits of this. Oh, I mean, yeah. not to mention you're a giant bug person. I mean, that's right? probably going to mess right. with a lot Pretty of people. They're a literal monstrosity, right? <laughs> um, so I think, so, okay. So with respect to the being able to do multiple actions, I think for like a flavor thing, that's, that's fine. I, as a DM, I would take the hard line. Absolutely not. Um, you get one action, um, unless you have two separate brains that can focus on two different things. Um, I, I maybe I'll let you do it, but I'll give you like disadvantage and a minus five to the check on each thing that you're trying to do. But I think you have to uh, just focus on one thing, and the action economy wouldn't change. But as far as being able to 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 hold material components and do somatic parts of spells. I absolutely think that as written currently in the UA, that 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 a three cream could do that. And I don't necessarily think it's overpowered because it it's just it's basically like taking one portion of the Warcaster feat and adding in that little bit about letting you also hold a material component. Um, it would be like a cleric or a paladin who used their shield as a holy symbol um, and then had a weapon in another hand. Um, like they don't need the Warcaster feat to be able to 
to cast a, you know a spell like I don't know an example of a spell um, blast or something um, they could do that just with their shield and their weapon um, so yeah I think that having a three care I'm gonna make a three cream multi-class monk wizard who, do, who wields a two-handed weapon <laughs> and has a, a component pouch in one hand and a free hand so that they could do unarmed strikes while also holding a component pouch <laughs> there you go tyler that's your that's your overpowered that's character. it <laughs> i i totally agree oh. with joe's ruling on both of those things and i'll add that for the multi-action thing i wouldn't allow it in combat but i would probably allow it for a lot of flavor for narrative purposes in just like out of combat storytelling interactions like yep. you're talking to somebody you're interacting with them maybe you're like I don't know, maybe even, you know, there's a scenario where you're doing an activity with somebody, but you're at the same time, maybe trying to rob them or something. And now you just have these like little other two arms that you get to use to do something like that. I would totally allow something like that. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Can you imagine the three card Monty uh, guy? (laughs) (laughs) And then just a little hand sticks out and just, wait, wait a minute. Where did it go? I mean, there's so many fun things that you could do with this. Like you could even put in a home, like some home rule edits to this and say, like, maybe you get advantage on um, or you get expertise in sleight of hand because you literally have four hands. But maybe you get like disadvantage on persuasion checks because you're a literal monstrosity with four <laughs> hands. Um, uh, and may, or unless you're in a world in which everyone's a monstrosity, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe that's not a big deal. But um, yeah, I, what an interesting. Yeah, they've really thrown some really unique things in there a lot of creatures with flying speeds um a a lot just like a lot of really interesting uh uh stuff in the ua so i'm i'm curious to see what's going to make it into the published material agreed lou tyler anything to add um well um i was thinking the most optional build for the thriving is if you use a heavy crossbow in your main hands and then um a hand crossbow and while your extra hands. Then you take the crossbow expert and sharpshooter. Yep. Did you just blow their minds? <laughs> what? Now, could you wait? Now, could you wield? Could you dual wield like crossbows, or would you not need to? Right? Because you, you could not need to because it's action and bonus action. And you still have a free hand. And if you take the feet, it ignores the loading property. Hold a hold a component pouch, multi-class into wizard. Done. Yes. Yeah. Or shield. Oh wait, no, you can't hold a shield. Never mind. Right. Yeah. This is why I don't do combat with Tyler anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just refuse. I love You're it. Like I'll, I'll so come into much. role play. I don't need to be in combat. No, I hate combat. <laughs> Um, so I think, do we all, are we sort of in agreement on that do, or generally as written, it seems like, yeah, I would allow, I would allow a player to hold a material component and do somatic components with those, with those extra little hands. Agreed. No, I agree. Definitely. I agree a hundred percent. Awesome. Well, uh, so how is the phrase? So as it is said, so it shall be done. <laughs> um, well, okay, so court is now over. Thank thank the heavens. Thank take off our robes, take off our wigs. Oh yeah. Take it, <laughs> take it off. Let's just relax. There's a big bowl of candy in the middle of the room. We're just it's time for chamber chat. Okay. Chamber chat. Chamber chat. Trying to come up with a new theme song for chamber chat. So if you guys have suggestions, <laughs> please feel free to throw them out. This is the portion of our podcast where we just get to sit back, relax, and chat. So, uh, chamber again, chat, chamber chat. We're all doing the chamber chat. Woo! <laughs> yeah. You're going to regret that, Jesse, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip that and then just like play it over and over again. I'm okay with that. Awesome. No, no. Have your consent. Got it in um, recorded <laughs> medium. Recorded. <laughs> uh, so, for our discussion topic for the day we kind of wanted to expand a little bit on that new ua that has that has been presented to us um 
you specifically brought up a astral elf that has the ability of trance proficiencies, which allow you to switch out a weapon and tool proficiency at the start of each long rest. And then you guys asked, is this ability too much for a DM to track? <laughs> is this going to be just annoying the poop out of dms to be tracking i was like there are kids here i can't swear (laughs) (laughs) you can swear a little bit oh we don't Um, care don't care so where uh what were your thoughts on this we'll start with jesse um well i was running a campaign where i had made a race actually kind of had this ability Mm. um it was one of my homebrew races um different circumstances but lou was doing was doing that with with uh with their character and they were almost better at doing crafting and, and making stuff than Tyler's character, which was the artificer <laughs> who should have been the better one. But since they could change their proficiencies every day, they could just be perfect at whatever they needed to do. Like they did perfect forgeries. They did, you know, they, they crafted help make potions and poisons and, and all this other stuff was like every day was whatever they happened to need they could do, which was great for the versatility. But like as a DM, I was thinking, <laughs> how can I set up a situation that they can't, you know, figure out how to craft their, their way out of immediately? <laughs> thwart. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, you know, fun in its own way. I mean, it's, it's fun to see their creativity come through and see they can come up with, but like, that's fine when there was just two of them, you know, and we, and focusing a lot of attention on one player at a time isn't too bad when there's only two, but when you have like, what, like four, five, six, seven players, if one person's taking up that much time and can do so much, how do they, how does that not make the other people not shine? You know? So I have a question for you then um, for you and Lou, when you guys were doing this, did uh, did they have to list what their proficiencies were at the beginning of the of the beginning of the long rest, or was it like they just depending on what task they needed? <laughs> Lou decided this is what I'm going to be proficient in today. <laughs> I mean, it was done daily, but yeah. Oh, go ahead, Lou. You're the worst. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> so much respect here. Yeah, lots of respect for him. I definitely um tried to keep it so i had a plan i i could tell that it was gonna get bad if i had just done it if i had just not said it at the beginning of every day and i knew that i was going to be better at tyler it's just i could feel it and it's kind of why i wanted it because he always has better characters than me but we don't talk about that um, so i was... rivalry created an entirely new ua cool right exactly <laughs> right right <laughs> So Tyler, what was this like playing the artificer who is like kind of overshadowed by by just this rando elf who could be like, oh, now I can use these tools. Um, actually it wasn't overshadowing because especially a lot, they would use their proficiencies, like use the help action to help me build my stuff. Nice. Yeah. It's how I counteracted the kind of overpoweredness and I just I don't like the I don't like the feeling of people like being ignored or like I'm ignoring them. So I try to make sure they're okay. It's my big empathy thing. Oh, see if beautiful. used when used by a responsible <laughs> and an empathetic player, stuff like that you don't have to worry about it, right? Because oh, yeah. like your your characters and power your players, is great. <laughs> right, power is wonderful. It's when it's in the hands of like me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, that's so funny. So I, it's interesting. So there's a few, uh, there actually is a, um, uh, a, a subclass, and I think it might be a bard uh, that can actually change proficiencies um, uh, after a long or short rest, I forget. And then of course you have like the artificer who has like right tool for the job and can create a new set of tools that they're proficient in after spending an hour um, with those tools. I, in general, am not a huge fan of of things that are introduced in the game, um, whether it be like character abilities or racial ability, like like racial abilities or class abilities, that replace things that already exist in the game. So I kind of 
I think stuff like that is maybe a little too powerful where I could see how it would make sense for like a bard or an artificer to like suddenly be proficient in like something else. If like, if this character was like a fighter and was like, I'm suddenly proficient in, in painter's supplies. It's like, okay, well how and why? Just cause you're an elf. Um, then again, I haven't read like the actual elf too much. So like, maybe that makes a whole lot of sense with, with that lore. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Cause I, I thought the same thing. Um, when you, yeah, when a, when a racial ability outdoes a class ability, it really, it makes the classes feel not as special. Cause like, like you said, if you're a fighter or a, a cleric and all of a sudden you can just do whatever an artificer or, or a bard could do like, why, why have a bard or an artificer? I mean, it works really yeah. well for groups like ours, where we have one DM, two players, you want to have most of your players be able to do a lot of things. But if you have larger groups, that's where I, I feel that balance is, is overshadowing other, other players. And I, I don't, I don't think everyone wants that in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. I I had two thoughts about this. One is that if somebody had this ability, I would, I would demand that there be, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. I make that. (laughs) (laughs) I would demand that they be able to kind of incorporate it into the narrative. Like you don't just get to wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm proficient in jeweler's tools. You have to tell me how you're flavoring your backstory, how you're flavoring your character to give you this ability to, you know, like, are you blessed by a goddess that comes to you in the night and says, uh, my child, I sense that tomorrow you will, (laughs) you will be required to do gem work. So here's proficiency in jeweler's tools or whatever. Um, so I want the flavor, right? Like I want the kind of, uh, storytelling explanation for how you are switching these things up. And second of all, um, I, talking about people that would abuse power (laughs) i can imagine somebody being like shoot wow you know having proficiency in like cartography would be really useful right now um Mm. i'm gonna take a real quick eight hour nap (laughs) and i will see you guys soon (laughs) you know none of that none of that is happening and also if somebody um in a DD game has actually required the proficiency of cartographers tools please reach out to me and tell me that story because i would love to hear that (laughs) it's never happened (laughs) i've always Um, wanted it to happen Um, yeah (laughs) did we use it in in gydra recently cartography (laughs) i don't think so here's here's a one thing that i think that that wizards could have done rather and i hope I, i kind of hope they remove this there are so many tools in DD. My I have an artificer that's proficient in glass blowers tools. Literally when in the history of DD has anyone made a glass blowing check for something other than like, well I have this proficiency. I might as well go get some glass blowers tools and make a little vase. Like when has that come in handy? And I think that um in my games at least I, I challenge my players go and find me material or come up with ideas for how you want to use those tools and i will let you make checks on those so like our druid has an herbalism kit um and we found this whole ua thing about how he can, he has to go forage for mushrooms and ingredients and um and is able to spend time making herbalism kit checks um and can actually brew potions and stuff um and he still has to like buy materials but it ends up being like of the cost of a normal potion, which is a huge deal when you're talking about like, you know, superior healing potions and stuff. Um, Like I would have loved to see a whole, a whole section of, uh, 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 you know, a new UA devoted just to uh, here are all of the different ways in which all of these kits could be used and what it means when you're proficient in these things. Um, uh, I, I think that's a more rewarding functionality than just allowing players to switch at will and i think it makes those those subclasses that can do this um much more unique and i so i'm like a fan of preserving those that uniqueness but um again like i said if you have a player like lou who's who's doing it in order to specifically like enhance the gameplay for everyone like then great like i think that's actually really wonderful 
Yeah. Uh, if you if you're looking for a really good place that has good uses for tools, Dump Set Adventures. Um, I think it's just dumpsetadventures.com. That's um, amazing. They, I've never uh, heard of this, so that's an amazing. Oh, they're great. Oh, they have, they're the best. Oh, they have. Well, I have a whole thing link. printed out that uh, I printed out all of them, so that when he was using his artificer, he could just simply pull it up and know how to make poisons, potions. They're great. They're just. It's a wonderful website. Um, and they have it for every, every tool proficiency makes them so much more useful because yeah. I don't know how woodworkers tools work. I'm not that smart. <laughs> right. Um, this is amazing. I'm on their website now. Um, thank you, Tyler. Um, this is, yeah, I mean, I'm 100% going to be using this. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think well, I guess broader question. So for all of you, um, uh, what are things like we have, we, this is a question we asked um, two weeks ago when we had um, Jeremy and Jasper from Three Black Halflings on. We have a D&D 5.5 coming out in two years, apparently. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what are, like, are there things you're looking forward to or you hope that Wizards addresses that, that, you know, is currently lacking in the current rule set. And it could be something like this where it's like some UA thing that they're introducing that you like or don't like. I have thoughts, but I figure I'll let Tyler jump in first. Yeah, Tyler, <laughs> any thoughts? Uh, not yet. I'm sure like halfway through <laughs> when he's talking, I'll have like a whole load of things to talk about, but not now. All right, okay. interrupt me when you need to then. Well, first of all, I want to make sure I, I, I make sure not to get my hopes up too high. Right. Um, <laughs> Because oh, yeah. they're going to focus on what it already exists and clarifying it like they did with 3.5 back in the day. Because, mm. like, the difference between 3 and 3.5 was immense, but at the same time only dealt with the things that were in that book. And gotcha. so that was really important, and it worked. Because then you could still use all your Forgotten Realms stuff that you bought two years ago right. with it. So, and they wanna, And I think they want to do that. But I think they're going to update the class, the subclasses, so they are more in the same power range as the Tasha's, Xanathar's ones. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like them to do that. The same with the races, um, you know, make them balance them out better. Because you know, like the thing you see in all the UAs right now, like you look at Astral Elf, and it has some spells you learn, and uh, you can choose Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma as your spellcasting ability. Like that should be on all those races mm. so that you can maximize it. So in case you want to play a warlock yes. with a high elf, you don't have to try to have high intelligence and high charisma, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's wonderful. So I, I imagine that's that rebalancing is going to happen though. Where I have the most hope that they'll actually change things a lot is the DMs guide because the DMs guide doesn't actually tell you anything. It's like, like as a DM, it's like the last book you need to buy because it doesn't actually help you, um, which is weird because it's the DM's guide. Um, <laughs> like you're better off buying Xanathar's and Tasha's. You learn more DM sip. Heck, you learn more from the, uh, well, it'd be on the Witchlight on how to run an adventure as a DM than you do from the DM's guide. And they need to take some of that stuff from that and some of the stuff they had in Candlekeep and um, some of the stuff they had in Van Richter's guide and put that in the DM's guide yeah. so that when you buy that as a resource, as a new DM, you can read it and actually feel like <laughs> you're learning something. It's not yeah. just a bunch of tables with magic items, which is useful. Don't get me wrong, but like you need help running the game because it's yeah. not as like, it's not as easy as all these actual pod actual play podcasts make it feel like you know you can be mm -hmm. any schmo off the street and just figure out how to play <laughs> i mean granted you can still be a you know 15 year old kid in in dm if you know what you're doing but you know lose special um <laughs> tyler is special like right, they they, right. they have their ability to do that but not everybody does you know sure. yeah. and and it and i i just think that they need to to really improve that book. Um, definitely. I imagine I imagine the monster's manual is going to be an update just like they're going to do mm. with uh, Volo's guide in that uh, Monsters of the Multiverse mm -hmm. where they're just going to change all the stat blocks so that monsters are actually easy to run 
as opposed to the complicated mess that they are in the monster's <laughs> manual. Um, because spellcasters are terrible. I mean, they're so hard to run. Mm-hmm. Um, if you run them as well as you should, you'll probably kill your party. <laughs> if you yeah. run them poorly, then their CR doesn't even come close to matching what Absolutely. they should be. They're right. worthless. I mean, you yeah. can one-shot them with a fighter, and it's no problem. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I... I agree with the points you made. I actually think what's more important, though, is they should they should change all the subclasses. They should make the sorcerer spell list with the subclasses, you know, a bit more like they did with Tasha's. You know, actually mm-hmm. add it to like the character, or not just what you can choose. And I think they should tie more things to proficiency bonus. So they have more use. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that apple. Yeah, absolutely. In general, I think sorcerers just need kind of a buff because yeah. some of those subclasses are just wah, wah. It's like, yeah. oh, this is so boring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're so sad. Yeah. Lou, what about you? What would you like to see? I want them to just kill off the um, DM's guide. Just don't bring it back. <laughs> it made me more unconfident as a DM. Yeah. And I, I hear that. Yeah. I blame it mostly for how badly I feel I ran my first game. Because I was trying to incorporate the things from the DM's guide and it wasn't working because it made no sense. And it was just confusing. The tables in there don't make sense. Now that I look at it, I know. But as a new player, they need to either completely revamp it so that it's more helpful to Mm. new players or they need to just kill it off. Throw it in the ditch. I don't (laughs) care. I don't want it in my life. Burn it. Hear that, wizards? <laughs> heard it here first. So I'm okay. gonna buy a hand copy just to burn it one day. I swear, I hate that book. <laughs> and like, they definitely in 5.5 need to start making the game much more like friendly to newcomers. Um, because I have a lot of newcomers in my groups now, and in my old groups, and I have to go through everything. I've had like D and D teaching nights. Yep. And yep. they still don't understand over 85% of what I say. <laughs> yep. I think I just, work, there. I just work with a bunch of dumb people, but it doesn't help that. <laughs> but they really don't understand. They don't understand anything. They need to make it more friendly so that they can get oh. more people and get more sales. Basic marketing. They're I not doing what they you. need to do correctly. They're targeting um, to a, um, a smaller minority than the bigger majority who wants to learn. Actually, fifth edition is the most beginner-friendly version of D&D ever made. It and that's simplest, why it's bad. It's the simplest version ever. And it is so simple. Oh, and to make it simpler, you'd have to, to remove the core and the heart of the game. You would isolate everyone on except for newcomers if you made it any simpler. I, you know what? I, I think I disagree with that, though, because I spoke about this on the episode with uh, the Three Black Halflings as well, that I don't think you need to change the mechanics of the game in any way. I, I, I didn't play the older version, so I don't know if this is the simplest version that has ever existed. You're probably right about that, because um, once you get the hang of it, it is very straightforward and, mm-hmm. and you can pick it up and keep it. But I said this on my episode with them as well. I want like just like a quick cheat sheet of some kind like a quick starter guide to be like you've never played this game you've never heard of this game you somebody said it and now you want to know how to here are three pages to get you going and get you out the door so you can understand the very very basic things i totally agree with that like i want that kind of brand new people here's how you do this type of thing. No, totally agree. I agree there should be like a quick character pamphlet that you can just like pick up and just quickly make a character for your first time. I agree that should be a thing, but you shouldn't change anything about the rules. It is a very simple game. Mm. I, I actually think it's a perspective issue. It is. Um, it really is. I, I think the problem is, is the rules emphasize combat too much. Thank and you. I think mm. that, that what that does is it, complicates things for people because they feel like if they're not good at combat like they don't make their character to win at combat they're not going to be able to be good at D&D and I think if they and I don't know how to change it because I'm not that good um, but like <laughs> like if they could figure out some way to, to emphasize the other other two pillars of the game mm-hmm. um, 
in each of the classes a little more effectively. Like the only class that really strongly like sets itself for exploration is the ranger, right? And if you're not playing a game that's going to be about sleeping in the woods and, you know, digging up plants in order to live, the ranger doesn't feel like a fun class. But if that's what you're doing, the ranger feels like a great class. Well, they need to have those elements, I think, in each of the classes to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And they they need to have, like, it, it shouldn't just be your bard and your rogues who can talk to people or maybe even your paladins. Like, they need to have more, instead of at every at level three and six and, you know, 14 and whatever, like most classes have, where you're getting an ability that just makes you kill things more efficiently. <laughs> um you maybe they need to have more of the things that make it so that you can talk to guards without them trying to kill you more efficiently, you know, like, Mm, you know, like even with fighters, you can do like, you know, have a, like you get an ability where if you talk to other, you know, soldiers, warriors, fighters or whatever, like that you get a camaraderie kind of thing, like, Hey, I know how you feel or whatever. And you get a bonus to talking to them. Right. Yeah. Like some some bonus to charisma checks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that is, uh, I I agree with all of, with everyone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, uh, So uh, yeah, I mean like Tyler, I agree with you that when, when you, when you, when you strip everything away and you look at it all, like the rules make sense. And at the, I always tell this to my players, like at the end of the day, we can't get lost too much in the realism of like, oh, but in the real world, this is how physics works because this is a game, right? Yeah. And yeah. and the, the rules exist for a reason to to, to keep us grounded um, so that we can, we can just play a game at the end of the day and have fun with it. Um, but I also completely agree um, and recognize that like, yeah, the rules are really combat focused and uh, they and Anna and I just talked in in our previous episode about sometimes just needlessly complicated. Um, <laughs> you can really simplify a lot of the rules so much, um, and there's a lot of uniformity that needs to happen. Someone needs to go through with like a red line and just stop having variations in language that mean the same thing. If if all of the language and spells, if it's going to have one effect. Um, it should be the same language so that that can be anticipated by players and DMs and um, yeah, but yeah, because they, they, they made this big emphasis on the advantage disadvantage system in in, mm. in, in fifth edition, which is great because that did simplify the rules quite a bit. Yep. It's real simple. You have advantage, you have disadvantage. But then you also have, well, if you roll nine or under, you can make it a 10 or you get a mm. plus one if, uh, you know, there's a monkey in the room or something. You know, like, there's all these different. <laughs> That's my favorite rule. The monkey yeah. rule. Oh my gosh, yes, of course. The monkey rule. <laughs> but like, it's like, so they add all these extra things that that make it real hard. Like they, they, they're not doing very good game design templating on yep. abilities. Like if you want to have a different way other than advantage and disadvantage to do things, you need to have one other way, like just do the nine or under, you can counter it as a 10 thing and that be the other version that you do, but you can't have four different versions. You can't have bless plus this plus that, you know, it all adds up to just so much number crunching that they're trying to avoid, you know, that was, See, the I like, of- yeah. I like that though. I like, I like all those little bits, but I, I understand like, yeah, it, it can definitely be overall. I love that too. I'm a giant dork, but like not everybody who plays D&D is a giant dork. You know, yep. we, if you want to make a game simple, then you should make it simple. Um, Actually, um, I think the number crunching, it's fine because it's very few numbers. And it's typically pretty simple, you know, addition with small numbers. You know, it's not like you're doing like these complex mathematical formulas that games like Pathfinder. Pathfinder. <laughs> like, like, I mean, it's not it's not Thacko. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. Uh, well, uh, this was amazing. Um, thank you all so much for coming on the podcast. Um uh, Jesse, I'm going to be sending you my adoption papers in the mail because I, I want you to adopt <laughs> me and, and we'll just play D&D every day. Oh It'll be great. God. Yeah, I'll quit my job. I'll That's just live dream. in your house. Um, <laughs> so uh, Lou and Tyler, I'll be your sibling soon. So you're welcome. <laughs> but thank you to all three of you for joining us today. This is a great episode. Thanks so much for this great discussion. And to our listeners, we... 
we'll see you next time. Well, where can we and where can we find you oh, all yeah. again on uh, for three pillars? Um, on- so we're we're we have our YouTube channel is at our Gorky family um, that has all all the different uh, videos that we do. Mostly it's the three pillars of of D and D cast, but we have other things like tutorials on how to make um, races and classes in D and D Beyond because I know that's not simple for everybody, but uh, we use it a lot. So we, we do those. Um, and then uh, of course our, our podcast is three pillars of D and D cast. You can get it where every good podcast are sold pretty much. So just look for it there. Awesome. And oh. we will of course tag you in our social media when we yep. uh, post the website. I mean, post the episode website. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> also we're available at uh, Twitter at our dorky. Um, and on Twitter, we have a lot of giveaways and stuff. So if you ever want to just come in, listen to the podcast, follow our Twitter, you could get something for free. It's awesome. always a win-win situation. <laughs> giveaways aren't Amazing. that common. <laughs> <laughs> I was Tyler, just, oh, Tyler, keep it as real. Keep it as <laughs> but, but we are going to be doing a giveaway for uh, uh, Strict Saving when that comes out soon. Ooh. So we're going to be starting that contest uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Or so, so definitely be on the lookout for that. It's yeah. going to be a copy on D&D Beyond, but, you know. Wonderful. Feel free. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. And for our listeners, um, the cast of three, well, cast, the hosts of Three Pillars of D&D will be joining us on Raw School to talk about rogues. <laughs> That's not really a rogue laugh, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> Court is adjourned. the volume and made it slow and it's and you sound you go oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and it's really funny um so when we don't have funny little things i just get mean um okay